0: Hey everyone, Quinn here. In case you forgot, Black Lives Still Matter. Just because it is October does not mean we can sweep Black Lives Matter under the rug. And if you were wondering, a couple of characters supports the Black Lives Matter movement. One thing that we all need to do is to listen to Black voices and the voices of other marginalized groups, because for so long they have been ignored. On today's episode, we talk with Taquan Watson, a Black creator, about his experiences in the gaming community. If you want to support Black Lives Matter or other organizations aiding marginalized groups, We have included some links in the show notes. Also, the most important U.S. election in our lifetimes is coming up on November 3rd. So please, please, please make sure you're registered to vote, because your voice matters and your vote matters. I'm Quinn
1: and I'm Alex
0: and we're a couple couple of of characters characters. (laughs) just botched that one
1: that's fine (laughs)
0: Um, we discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games and today is a special episode because we have Daquan Watson here with us one of the co-hosts of the color of magic podcast
2: hey Daquan how you doing I am doing great honestly you know all things considered I know a lot of people are probably trying to find ways to game and whatnot during the time of COVID, as I call it, um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's you know it's fun to still be able to share ideas and talk about things. So you know maybe when we get to the future where we can actually start gaming again regularly, people have some fun ideas.
1: Yeah, I know all of our D D games have shifted to Roll Twenty, so we've been doing all that online, and we did a Magic uh, Commander game with some friends over the phone as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny you say that I actually. I'm going to be involved with the Commander Fest Online 2 thing tomorrow, so I've got to do that. And then I actually have, in the evening, a D&D game that we'll be playing uh, on Roll20 as well. Oh, nice. Perfect.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, so on this show, we, you know, we like to give spotlight to some of the characters we haven't had a chance to play. So we're going to start out by asking you an easy question. Uh, what is a character that you have not had a chance to play that you would like to play in the future?
2: You know, one I think would be fun if I had the right group is almost like a uh, like a mentor, like a splinter to the Ninja Turtles type character Okay, where you're just like helping people grow, develop their powers, you know, do that whole thing. I've never actually played a character in that like true role of like, like I've been a leader role for other fully fledged characters that all have a direction or whatever, but not like help them develop up to become like the eventual, you know, heroes or superheroes or whatever that they're going to be. So I think that could be really fun.
1: Okay. And do you think for that you would try to maybe be a bard or did you think monk to go with the splinter? Idea? Exactly.
2: It would, it would either be a monk or some type of like protector level character, like maybe some specialized oh. paladin or something.
0: A battle master could also work for that too.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's true. The fighter. Yeah, definitely.
0: Just ignore the cat sounds in the background. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's our cats, Tiberius and Kami. They finally got on an episode.
2: <laughs> it's all right. I've got a couple of cats over here myself, but uh, they're they're actually staying out of the room at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, it gets very echoey if we close the door, <laughs> and then they also just meow at it.
2: <laughs> oh, do they give you that thing where they put their face at the bottom of the door? So they can make sure they're heard.
0: Um, mostly they just paw at it and stand up against it and kind of scratch.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Occasionally, we'll get the the mouth under the door <laughs> to make sure we can hear the yep, the yep. mewing.
0: Yes, please. You've abandoned me.
1: <laughs> cool. So, uh, Quinn, did you have the next question we wanted to ask to Quan about?
0: Yes, I do. How did you get into RPGs?
2: You know, the funny thing is, I don't even remember like the. F- first time I played I just remember that like the time and the like era when I was playing so like it was it almost feels like it's just always been a thing like <laughs> like I don't have that moment where, like oh I saw a DD and d book and then I was really into it <laughs> I think I just had friends that were playing and I'd always played a bunch of games even just in my family like if you didn't know how to play like Uno, Monopoly, whatever you you really weren't one of my relatives probably <laughs> but in in junior high I ended up having some friends that were playing and, you know, they just invited me to participate in their games and it sounded neat. And, you know, I'd already read comic books and played other or uh, read other fantasy stuff. So I was like, sure, why not? I get to play a character in one of these fantasy books. This sounds sweet. Yeah. And that's what we did mostly like after school or, you know, even if we had like 30 minutes during lunch, we try to resolve some role playing aspects of the scenario. And, you know, just since then, I've kind of played a lot off and on just all the way up till now. That's, That's
1: cool. Yeah, so what version
2: did you start with then? Oh gosh, that would have been advanced dungeeso, I guess, two. Okay, okay, wow.
1: Yeah, old old school.
2: Yeah, I I still had to learn Thaco, so <laughs> that's not cool.
1: Yeah, Quinn and I both started in fifth edition, so we're still, well, I mean, we started like five or six years ago now, but
2: we're still relatively new. In I mean, compared to someone like you.
0: <laughs> yeah, because
2: to be honest, though, so, fifth edition is great. I mean I really oh, I love it. Looking at fifth edition, I wish that's how I learned D D. Because honestly, trying to figure out Thacko and then like negative numbers <laughs> mean you have to roll this to hit an armor, whatever. Like having to learn basically a chart is silly.
1: Yeah, I, I <laughs> like I played a couple of sessions of uh Pathfinder and it's like, you know, when you roll a net twenty in Pathfinder, you have to confirm the crit and I'm like, but I rolled the nat 20 like why do i have to you know why do i have to do it again I, so i did it because <laughs> you know fifth edition's just nat 20 isn't nat 20
2: well it's interesting you know because so many people really love third edition like there's some people that are still attached to it don't want to let it go mm-hmm. and you know it's largely what pathfinder was based on and one of the things i found interesting about that version is it was very much about numbers mm-hmm. you know and when you would ask somebody like well what's your character about what does your character do they just aren't like oh well he has a plus this and i get this weapon and i do this thing and she does it and it's like no 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 like why are they Yeah, what makes them tick yeah like what are their flaws (laughs) like you know like that's a character not the pile of numbers and the problem with third edition is the longer the edition went on effectively everything had a stat or a number or a rule attached to it So there were very few things that were open-ended for roleplay. And that's one of the things I liked as they progressed into fourth and fifth edition is that they said, okay, well, there are a lot of gods, but here are just like 10 of them. Mm -hmm. Make up others if you want them, you know, like that sort of thing. And I I really appreciate that.
0: Yes, that's... That's why we haven't really tried to play any of those other versions because we love the role playing part,
1: yeah, I mean, if you know anything about this show, which our listeners hopefully do, <laughs> uh, they know that we like to make you know crazy characters that don't aren't just you know min maxing and trying to make the most powerful thing. we're just trying to do something that is interesting and fun
2: well yeah, and I agree with that totally because oftentimes I'll ask people, you know think about your favorite character or villain or whatever in any story that you've read you don't like them because they're perfect Mm -hmm. and because they've chosen every correct thing in their life to have maximum abilities you like them because they have family issues they're dealing with or their village was destroyed and they're they have some type of i don't know revenge angle they're working on or the villains being really sneaky because his family was mistreated when he was younger or whatever like that's what you're buying into Mm -hmm. right not that they can do everything
0: superman isn't cool because he's super strong and can fly i mean that's one cool thing about him but his planet was destroyed and he's trying to find his place in the world and that's Mm -hmm. interesting
2: absolutely
1: yeah or you know like someone like sherlock holmes who is maybe like a character that is kind of min-maxed who is super perceptive and very good at solving mysteries They also struggle with drug addiction. So, you know, they have a big flaw.
2: Yeah. And if you read through it, like he has some social issues and whatever, yeah, because he is smarter and thinks he's better.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's move on to our third question here. Uh, So what is your favorite character that you have played in a game? So you talked about the character you want to play. Let's go back and see what what character do you think that you played that is your favorite?
2: I had a character that I don't do. Did you ever see the show MacGyver?
1: Uh yeah I've I've I mean we're I think we're maybe a little too young for that one but I know okay. of it I've I think I've seen episodes here and there but I know the concept
2: the premise of MacGyver is he he could he got in all the, you know it was the adventure of the week so he gets in this weird circumstance and he would find some way to like I don't know build an explosive out of like a toilet paper roll and you know pipe and some miscellaneous things or whatever yep, yep. but what people forget about the character is that he actually got that way because he didn't like firearms he was basically a pacifist because he had something happen i believe with his brother or something when he was younger and kind of like swore off weapons and i thought that would be cool for a DD character like what if i built a character that he did everything he could not to kill something Mm -hmm. but you're adventuring with all these other people that obviously are about their weapons you know yeah so it was fun to play that character because I wasn't, like, I allowed, I was like, okay, I get it. You have a belief in weapons. You do what you do. I basically made a ranger that maxed out everything as far as, like, tracking and trapping and everything else so I could do other things other than actually have to kill somebody. Yeah. And then the amusing thing was I made a... We had worked with the DM to basically have a really good attack with one weapon, but I was just choosing not to ever use it. <laughs> and then one time, you know, you know the party's down... There's a couple of villains still there. And like I look at the D and I'm like, okay, I guess now's the time. You know, like <laughs> so of course I end up taking them both down. And the party just looks at me like, What when when did you like how where did you learn that? I was like, Well, you, you could know,
0: do that the whole time. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so I had to but it was fun because then I played this whole thing of like being remorseful and like it just sucked. I had to do this. And you know, and they're giving me the pep talk, like, well, it's okay, you know, you kinda had to, or you know, so it added a fun layer. Have died. Yeah, it added a fun layer of role playing to just take away almost a whole element of what people are used to doing in D and D.
0: Yeah,
1: we actually we have our our fourth episode, which at the time of this recording has not come out yet. But by the time this episode comes out, will have been out. <laughs> you know the magic of recording ahead of time time travel (laughs) yeah that episode we actually discuss making a character that is a pacifist or peaceful and like refuses to kill there you go so that's very much in that vein but that's cool that you know we we came up with a backstory for them but i did not know that about macgyver i just knew you know People use it as, like, a verb now. You MacGyvered it. Yeah, absolutely. you know, made something out of nothing. All
0: right. Well, the next question I have I think we've already touched on.
1: What was
2: it?
0: Uh, What is your favorite aspect of RPGs?
2: Okay, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I can say, to be honest, my truly favorite aspect, I think, is it does allow for some level of just creativity that the average person probably wouldn't find elsewhere. Mm Mm-hmm you know i think a lot of people always have ideas or they watch a movie and it's like oh man but if i was this character i would have done this thing or you know why did why did a writer write the character this way and you know and this is kind of a way for people to explore that you know with their own character or own ideas and i don't think people even think of it that way Mm -hmm. but we all bring a little bit of our like personal experiences wants needs whatever into these games and they kind of develop into our characters
1: okay if you think about like a like a Skyrim, like an open world video game. That's cl- it's closer to that, where you can you know kind of wander around and do what you want in the order you want, but you're still limited by the video game. Whereas D and D, if I say you know I want to pick up this clay pot and you know redecorate this house for this person while they're like you know we broke in and now I'm gonna redecorate. I don't think you could do that in a lot of other, like, video game scenarios, but in D&D, yeah, I guess, why not?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you can, that's the fun, but you can take it as far as you want to. As long as far as your DM and your group wants to go, you can explore any little aspect of a character, adventure, or story that you want.
1: Yeah. And, there, you know, there's always that moment when the DM will say something offhandedly and the party runs with it. And they're like, no, we are doing this thing now. Like you mentioned a squirrel and I'm going to chase that squirrel down and I need to know the story of the squirrel.
2: Oh, man, I have a fun story about that, actually. By the way, I have stories for everything, so I'm probably going to derail this podcast. I'm apologizing up front to all the listeners. Oh, that's.
0: Oh, no, that's perfect. That's the whole point is it's about stories about yeah. characters. <laughs>
2: Yep. So yeah, so there's this game I'm running, and I can't remember why, but they were in I had the team, they were in this room. They're they're con they're trying to get through this wall. So I basically give them every description that the wall's impenetrable, it's you know, it's a concrete wall, it's like five feet thick, blah blah, you know, whatever. And they're constantly still they spend a good like 30 minutes coming up with ways to try to drill in and get past this wall. And I'm trying I even try to like tell them like, well, here's the with the layout, you can tell there's really nothing on the other side, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, he's just saying that because he's trying to keep us away from something. There's treasure in so, there. Yeah, exactly. So at one point, I even go as far as to like magic arrows appear and try to direct you in a direction. And they're like, no, don't follow the arrows, guys. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, and at one point I'm telling them like, no, as a person, I am telling you, not as your DM, that there is nothing here, you know? And they still weren't buying it. So eventually after about an hour, they just gave up. But yeah, players, I have a theory that a person is smart but a people are stupid. <laughs> and as a group, sometimes you can talk yourself and your friends into a thing and then the whole group just runs with it. Yep. yep. So
0: true.
1: I know there's there was an episode of Critical Role. I'm not sure if you watched that show at all or, or are yeah. familiar. Yeah. But yeah, I know they they at one point they find this chair in a basement where someone was basically being tortured and they focus on on the chair for some reason. They found like yeah. a chest with you know, some the evidence of what was going on but then they just keep focusing but what about that chair so yep it was you know it was it sounds like your wall scenario where the players are like no there's something up with this wall and the dm's like you know there's not
0: <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes a chair is just a chair
1: true <laughs> but sometimes it's not that's also true <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our, our next question will give you another opportunity for a story here. Uh, what is your favorite RPG moment that you've been involved with?
2: What's funny is most of my, if I had to like put my top, I don't know, 10 together, I would say probably at least seven or eight come from one game that I ran, actually. It was, uh, there was a version <laughs> a third edition D&D called X Crawl. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I believe was it panda something rather was the the publisher of it but this is back when they did like the open license third edition thing okay and the premise for this game was that you were basically celebrities that the popular sport was dungeon crawling oh nice which is pretty cool so and it was set in like you know 50s level technology or whatever so there's like telephones but not necessarily like cell phones and high technology or whatever The fun thing was that at one point I had set up this adventure for the players where like the race was you had to go to a dragon's den, identify the type of dragon and bring back one item from its Mm horde. That's how you win. Right. And you're racing against other teams and stuff. But the way I set it up was I set a whole bunch of clues along. I think at one point I counted like 28 clues I set up along the way so they could identify that the dragon was actually with them because they had to have a guide (laughs) to get through this area. So, you had a polymorphed dragon that was basically, you know, pretending to be this old person that, like, knew the land or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was so amusing because at one point, they get to the actual lair of the dragon. And I left an item there that if you grabbed it or put it on, you could see that the dragon was really just an illusion. (laughs) So, you would know that wasn't, like, the real dragon or whatever. Right. And so, they actually picked up the item, they gave it to a character, and then that character went to go watch the door instead to make sure nobody was coming (laughs) to trap them in. So I'm like, oh, God, this is going to go sideways real fast, right? That's hilarious. And so, of course, they think they've done it. You know, they've got the thing they get back, and they're, like, super disappointed (laughs) when they're told they're wrong or whatever. And then when they see the guy turn into a dragon, they were upset because as they started thinking about it, all the clues were easily there. They were just, as a group, choosing to ignore them. As a matter of fact, at one point, one of the characters I was known for being a jokester, I was like, okay, he's making jokes about this guy being a dragon. So I'm like, all right, he kind of guessed it. So they went off to go grab some water at one point. So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna have him turn into a dragon, show him, give him a ride over the canopy, whatever. And then we're done. And then he didn't even tell the rest of the group. He was just like, ah, whatever, that was fun. Blah, blah blah Like, he just assumed the guy was just like a wizard and just entertaining him. And I'm like, oh, y'all are killing me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, that whole thing was a whole lot of fun. Just I dropped clue after clue after clue. Like, it was like it felt like every 15 minutes there was just like another thing. And then they were explaining it away themselves. <laughs> so they're like, oh, well, this guy seems to know a whole lot about this area. And like, oh, yeah, there's this thing here. And I even purposely had the character like slip up and talk about like, oh, well, I remember putting this here like years ago or whatever. <laughs> And then they just were like, oh, he must just be old and forgetting. <laughs> and I was like, like, wait, what? Okay, I guess
0: <laughs> you really. All right, fine.
2: Yeah, it's, a, you know. Yeah, exactly. I just let it go. So to this day, they still hate that they weren't able to solve that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you go back to the uh, what you said earlier. As individuals, we're smart, but as a group, we're dumb.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I know I have a, a friend that DMs and he told me after I'm we moved apart but he told me that in every game that he runs as a dm he always has a dragon that's like shaped as a humanoid in some town doing something like he's they're always manipulating the world in his games somewhere you just have to find them and one of the like latter parties that that i played in he told us who it was after that game uh ended and we're like that We met that guy on, like, the third session. <laughs> like, we had no clue. <laughs>
0: He's like, that's the point. That makes it even yep, better. Yep. All right. Now we're ready to move on to a more serious topic. How do you feel personally that people of color have been represented in role-playing games that you have played in?
1: Or maybe just in, like, fantasy culture yeah. as well.
2: Yeah, I think... It kinda depends on what games and kind of what era you started playing, mm-hmm. you know, because early fantasy stuff and early D and D material and it's hard to even like blame just like T S R Wizard of the Coast for doing it because it's kinda just like the blind eye of just fantasy writing, really. Mm-hmm. But there just weren't a lot of like non white characters at all. You know? And even even then you still had like all the tropes of like, you know, the women wore chainmail that didn't protect anything and <laughs> You know, yep. all, all that stuff was right. there. I mean, you can go back and look at the difference between, like, any knights of any kind and look at, like, Red Sonia, who was a sword master. But somehow she wore just enough to cover her important parts. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, and I think with that... Oh, go ahead.
1: I uh, was just to say, like, you
2: know, Princess Leia,
1: who I haven't seen Star Wars in a while, but I know she's just wearing her chainmail <laughs> bikini for a while, but running around shooting a blaster at one point.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of silly. But yeah, I, I think there just wasn't a lot of representation early on. And I, and I, and honestly, maybe there's a lot of reasons there. You know, society being one direction. Mm-hmm. You know, just cultures not being interested in certain things for a while. I mean, but as time has gone on and a lot of stuff become more popular, I think now you're starting to get a lot more diverse interests. And you're starting to see a lot of that across all kind of fantasy stories and different aspects. You know, we were talking about this on our show not long ago that you know even one of the new magic characters in one of the recent sets mm-hmm. is an amputee you know she doesn't have her i believe it's her left arm and it wasn't even a big deal made out of it. it's just like but if you see the art you see that you know she's missing an arm and her sleeves is kind of tucked in or whatever and i'm like well that's pretty cool yeah you know and something like that even has a big impact for people mm-hmm. because it's like oh well, will see they're normalizing this where it's not what the character is. It's just a feature of that character. Right. And I think we're starting to see more of that. you know. I, and for me, I think one of the first places it was noticeable, just kind of give some backstory. At one point, I did run a game store uh, for years. And one of the big things when 3rd Edition was coming out, of the Coast did these, I guess you want to call them like presentations or seminars with some of the different distributors. And they invited a bunch of retailers to come to them and say like, hey, here's the new direction D&D is going to be going. And I remember them showing off the characters and it was like the first time I felt like the characters had a reasonable feel that they were going to carry through the product. What's cool is even, I think those characters are like Lita and Regdar and all those characters from then, you got to also see them kind of level up through the games and through the books. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to just say, okay, they're dedicating these characters who some of them do have darker skin tones, you know, and the sneak can be anybody you know the wizard can be anybody right and i think that's where you started to see some of that change and i I don't think i mean i don't think it solved all our problems obviously but i think it took that long to even get the conversation started
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it it doesn't help that you know you mentioned early fantasy well a lot of these early fantasy writers were old white men that you know writing stories through their lens and uh probably in times you know when race was more of an issue so they are framing it from their point of view and their point of view on people of color is not great
2: that's definitely true and now we've also found out over the years that like some of them didn't have the best social views Mm -hmm. but for sure uh, some of them just didn't know i mean if you don't have friends or family or whatever in those other communities you don't even know what to write about or what would make them different or interesting or whatever so you're just writing what you know in some cases
1: right and like for me as a white man i often didn't notice that all these fantasy things i'm looking at are just showing myself basically and like i can see myself being like a list but i never really considered until more recently you know when i've started I help grow as a person that, you know, Oh yes, we should be, you know, putting out people like Viviana in magic that are giving these people of color people to like see themselves as.
2: Oh yeah. I, I tell people like, look at something like Lord of the Rings that literally covers like a vast area of land and like, right. you know, multiple different cultures, races, whatever, but they're pretty much devoid of color. Yeah. Which <laughs>
0: like, is weird. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it's one of those things a lot of people just don't think about. Like in, I always tell people and just like you said i think you're right in the sense of like you don't notice because everybody looks like you so you don't even think about it mm-hmm.
1: i you know that's why we, the part of the reason we wanted to have you on here so that people start asking themselves these questions and start thinking about it
2: yeah i tell people all the time i i think the biggest thing we have to be able to do is talk about where there are differences or problems or whatever but also be open to understanding like how things got to be the way they are. Mm -hmm. Cause I think there's a lot of people that like, they see a thing, want to be mad about it and we need a solution today. And it's like, it's not really how it works. Like there's a whole history system, whatever that you're kind of having to undo. It's like a, It's like a bunch of twisted yarn or whatever, right? You're having to like slowly pick at the things and get it back to normal so we can get everything to a workable strand again. Mm -hmm. Like you don't just decide, okay, I want this to be good. And we just go cutting the pieces of yarn up to get the one small string, right? It's not going to do any good. Right.
1: I think it's very unfortunate that, you know, we had to have George Floyd and many other people of color get killed for, you know, some white people to even start noticing like, hey, you know, maybe this thing... You know, even Trayvon Martin, who got killed 2013 and still took us seven years to get to a point where now it's getting more traction.
2: Yeah. And I would say the thing that's really well, there's really two disturbing parts of both of those. The first is with the Trayvon Martin thing. You know, Zimmerman actually goes and he signs at like these gun shows with like the stars and bars behind him, And, you know, and and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, So the dude knows what he's known for. Went to trial, been accused of other things also, by the way, and found guilty on some other stuff as well, and still goes and does that. And I was like, and we're still questioning it? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like that's nuts. And then, you know, in, in the George Floyd thing, the fact that that was televise effectively. Right. Mm-hmm. And we still had to take forever to reprimand those officers. Right. Like, that's wild, you know, to see it, like, literally... Yeah, there's... ...with witnesses, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and footage. And it's like, that's that's what's really scary and disturbing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's undeniable evidence that this thing occurred.
2: Yeah. Why did it take, you know,
1: more than 24 hours to put this person in custody?
2: Yeah. And I would say they're, the one that really... I would say as a black guy, really bothered me. I think it was four years ago. There was the orderly that was, I guess the cops were called because there was a a guy who had a mental disability. Mm -hmm. He had come out and he was holding like a toy fire truck or something. And somebody had reported that there's a guy out there with a gun, right? So cops show up, they've, they've got a couple of cop cars out there one of the orderlies that watches out for this guy comes out and you see the whole, like the whole thing's recorded, right? He's speaking clearly to the officers explaining that. No, it's just a toy. This guy's no harm to anybody. It, at one point, the guy with the, the fire truck's sitting down. So the orderly lays down and he's got his hands in the air, speaking clearly to the officers, explaining to the whole scenario. And then the guy still shoots him. Oh, jeez! Like he got shot in the leg. Fortunately, it wasn't a kill shot, which one, Thank God the officer was a bad shot. But too, why does the officer get to wield a gun when he can't right. hit a non-moving target that's six feet tall, yeah. you know, 20 yards away or whatever? But the guy went to trial and everything, and they even asked him, like, why did you shoot him? And his honest answer was, I don't know. Wow. And he still had a job. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah if like, I had dude, ever said that
0: to my boss, I would not have had a job.
2: None of us would. That's what's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. And then the amazing thing is you find out later that apparently some people had, I guess, radioed those officers and said, like, hey, this probably isn't a deadly weapon. Here's a scenario. Because I guess at some point, somebody from the, I guess, hospital or whatever called the HQ and then they radioed the cops, I guess. And so it's even worse than that when you get to the end of it. But the fact that those things happen and they get to keep their jobs when the rest of us for Significantly less negligence would probably get fired from each of our jobs is really hard for a lot of people to swallow, yeah.
0: Understandably,
1: we're just gonna, you know, we're into the hard questions here, but uh, so the next question here is, How do you feel about the terms race and racial abilities that Wizards of the Coast uses in their books?
2: Uh, this one's a tough one, you know, because one of the things about me too, I think because I'm too even keeled all the time, I get people from both sides to get mad at me on these types of issues, mm-hmm. either because like. I speak about them too often or I don't speak about them harsher than not. Right. So apparently they're both true at the same time. Uh, but I'm kind of in the middle really on this one. Like, I don't think the term race or racial in and of itself is bad. Mm-hmm. I think the issue just becomes when you assign a certain value to always represent a certain race or people or thing in a certain light and you don't have any spread of diversity or difference within that. I think that becomes the problem. Like, you know, where you're going to say, well, the Drow are darker skinned and they're always the bad guy. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, alright, that's going to look a little bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, when all the other elves aren't and they're the good guys. And it's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be doing that.
0: Yeah,
1: or, you know, you look at Half-Orc who has the menacing feature that gives them intimidation. Just, you know, kind of giving you that stereotype of like the angry black man yeah in some ways black woman and it's like that's not great
2: (laughs) well here's here's the thing too i have a friend who owns a game design company and he's got another game that's going to come i think this fall it's going to hit kickstarter and he's very much like super inclusive wants to represent all these different people and things and he showed me some of his characters he had for the game because he was like hey i'm making sure you know i'm working with different people to make sure that you know the right things are are there and i was like awesome but then I told him, I was like, eh, do you want for real, like, the black person to be your thief? Mm. <laughs> you know, like.
0: It's yeah. not a good look.
2: Like, does the Asian person, like, have to be your monk? Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And maybe, you know, if it makes sense for the story, then absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, if this just happens to be where they're from and they have a backstory for it, whatever. Great. You know, but if you don't have a way to tell that story. Yeah. Like, let's change it up. So, interestingly, we ended up making, I think, the black character is now going to be the bard. Which is cool, because that's something you don't see that often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's funny, and this was totally not my intention, but as we talked about it, they were trying to make sure like had the right features, and you weren't like dressing the character up too much or doing anything. And he ultimately has his artist come back and says, like, hey, how about if I just use some pictures of you for the character? So I'm like, yeah, that's fine. So apparently now I'm going to be in a board game, which is hilarious. Oh, nice.
0: Very cool. <laughs> that's
2: awesome. But yeah, as far as just the actual terms, race and racial attributes, I don't think those are really the problem i think it's mm-hmm. how you use them and what they're set to to notate really i think is the real issue yeah
1: the connotations yes.
0: yeah yeah
2: I, I think that's the problem you know mm-hmm. if over time all your writing says like well somebody that's not of a paler skin has these negative attributes or they have these aggressive attributes or whatever mm-hmm. then that kind of looks real bad you know but yeah if you say okay well drow society just like anything else has its good people and its bad people. You know, you have your drizzits out there in the world or whatever, mm-hmm. and the other characters are. You know, there are some. There's a bad, seedy underworld, but there's also the people trying to undo it. Yeah, you know, and then you can tell those stories.
0: Yeah,
1: and that really, that really goes into our next question.
0: Right about the article that was released by Wizards of the Coast back in June, in the midst of all the George Floyd um, media coverage and protests. That they came out with a statement about what they're trying to do in the future with their source materials. And just wanted to hear your thoughts on their statement.
2: I I, I think it's a tough time for a lot of businesses right now mm. because I think we're asking a lot of them. And what I mean by that is the things we're asking for are not large, but the process changes and whatnot in some cases may be. Right. And in this case, you're talking about, you know, some products that have already been in development for 12 months, 24 months, you know, before mm-hmm. they even see the light of day. Right. And people are like, ah, but we need to change all this. It's like, okay, well, cool. Then you just may not get some sales for six more months while things have to be rewritten. Mm-hmm. Or stuff that may have already been printed that's not released yet or whatever, right? How do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, I know like Magic cards, they plan those like three years in advance. I mean, granted, I don't think the art is done three years in advance, but you know, that's looking at 2023 before... They've released what they're working on now so you might not see those changes immediately.
2: yeah magic's almost always being worked on you know and mm-hmm. I would say from like conception could be three years out a lot of the bulk of the work on a magic set's usually done somewhere around 18 to 24 months out so they are always 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 working way ahead of schedule and same thing on DD. i mean they come up with an idea and you know you've got to get writers you got to get artists you got to line up your production schedule you've got to figure out how you're going to promote it right to get your
0: distribution set up
2: exactly now all that aside it's a the announcement i think was good because because here's the bad part like wizards I think, like a lot of companies, like you're going to catch hell no matter what you do. Right. Yeah. If if you if you don't tell people about what you're doing every day, it's going to be well. What changes do you have coming out? How come we haven't said anything? right? You know. But if you do, it's like, well, how come this isn't this much better? Or how come this has to wait six months or whatever mm-hmm. it is? So, but I will say, as far as game companies, for sure. But I, I don't know. Maybe all companies. Now that I can think about it, like Wizards does more communication with the consumer than most companies i know of
1: yeah that's that's true they do i think they take a lot of feedback and actually like show that they have responded to the feedback
2: yeah for sure and and this announcement i think was totally fine you know it says look we've already been trying to be proactive you know here's some stuff that's coming out this year mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they even they even talk about like okay hey we purposely wrote these couple of adventure books or whatever to show different things going on with these other cultures or whatever, you know, they, they talked about, uh, the Romani culture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being a thing, you know, so they're, they're working with consultants on that. So the, the start of the things are there. And, And that's one of the things we talk about on our podcast too, is that we need to have some level of reason, you know, that as long as you are seeing progress and seeing the things happen and change, then great. You know we can't expect it overnight now i'm totally fine if we say okay six months later we haven't seen anything mm-hmm. okay hey give us an update or let us know what's happening right you know if we get to 12 months and you haven't seen anything okay now we need to have a real conversation <laughs> but yeah you got to give them some time and here it's like okay cool from the D front you've got a couple of different adventures planned or, or books i should say you know they've already started bringing in consultants to look at some things they've looked at changing some stuff for reprints on books that are coming out so it's like okay those are all reasonable options and they are things that also cost time and money so it's not like they're just taking the cheapest way out on some of these you know so totally cool i have no problem with this i think the announcement was totally good yeah
1: i'm actually you know i'm also even though i'm not a person of color i'm looking forward to it because i would love to you know experiment with you know a dumb elf uh like a high elf that's you know not very smart or a super buff halfling you know i like to see like you know because then you can play with these more uh, interesting characters that don't necessarily fit the norm of what people picture when they think of right. you know, a halfling.
0: And it also whatever. makes sense like why they would leave home if I'm not as smart as my other elf friends studying to be wizards. Well, yeah, they wouldn't stay and become a wizard. Oh,
2: definitely. Yeah, yeah no doubt. And I think that's part of it. I think people that don't know, you know, especially that came later, is There was a point in time where there weren't even really rules to have, like, a goblin wizard. Mm -hmm. You know, goblins were just basically fighters. You know, that that was what they did. Or maybe thieves or rogues of some kind, Mm -hmm. you know. But the thing is, I thought about it one day. I said, like, why would there not be a shaman for goblins, right? Like, there has to be some level of wizard. Like, somebody who figures out how to make fire or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And looks like a genius to all the other goblins or whatever. Like, why does this person not exist? Like, the person one of them understands like this plant works as an ointment right yeah. so now this person is revered or whatever as their i don't know their healer or cleric or something Right.
0: you would die out if you didn't have medicine
2: <laughs> yeah but but we never had that in D. so like even to that level everything was so compartmentalized that a lot of that never even got explored or talked about
1: yeah and i think this is another thing that I'm just now thinking about that Matt Mercer did in the first season of Critical Role where we meet Grog's uh, like clan of Goliath at one point and there's they're not only fighters there's like a couple druids in there as well I was like well yeah that would make sense they would have someone to heal and like you know know a little bit about magic
0: and help them scout
1: yeah so their culture would not just be completely fighters even though it might be primarily fighters oh absolutely so I like that I thought that was a great you know thing that he did that I'm Retroactively noticing, like, oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, I know it probably made for a more interesting fight as well for him, but I think that it worked out to be pretty good to show, like, these different cultures have a variety of people, you know? You're not just all barbarians or whatever.
2: Yeah, wasn't it, Napoleon, that, like, they were the first, like, army or something to use, like, canning or something so their people could be in the field longer? So, like, at some point, you have all these trained soldiers or whatever, but you still have people doing science in the back of just like hey how do we preserve food so people can eat if we don't want to come <laughs> back soon right how do we do this
0: yeah right yeah like how can we keep less people in the field less like camp followers necessarily you know
2: yeah exactly mm-hmm. and and i think that's that comes with parts of the stories we weren't talking about you know that like hey all of these societies all of these civilizations have so many different levels and aspects to them and i think and maybe some of it's just we've become more advanced as fantasy fans, mm-hmm. you know, because one of the things people are surprised by when I tell them, like, well, when I read Lord of the Rings, I wasn't that impressed <laughs> because I'd already but I'd already read a bunch of like Dragonlance novels and other stuff by then. Right. So I've I'd read all the things that were inspired by that book. Right. So when I came back to it, it was like, oh, this was OK. But if you read that as your first major adventure book, you're probably mind blown. You know, But yeah, yeah. then you see kind of how simplistic it is in its development, really.
0: Right. We've never actually read it because we were both bored by the first book.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I we
0: gave the, up.
1: <laughs> I read The Hobbit, and then I, I got through that, and then that was kind of my first adventure book. So I liked The Hobbit a lot, but then years later, I tried to read Lord of the Rings and could not get into it, The Fellowship of the Ring at all.
2: Yeah, for me, it was a variety of, I think, comic books – and then I did a big stretch of like choose your own adventure novels or something. Okay. And then I read like some of the D and D fantasy stuff at the time, and then I got around to reading Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, if you like it, that's
2: fine.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on Lord of the Rings. I do think the movies are pretty good. Like they are good movies. I still think the first one is a little slow, but you know.
2: My only gripe to the movies was they were directed to be similar to the books. So where there's downtime, like, there's a lot of shots of us just, like, watching them adventure along the mountain. Yeah. And it's like, we don't need that. <laughs> like, we get it. They're they're going to see the bad guys. Great. Yeah. yeah. Just give us a quick montage and let's skip through this. Yes.
0: Yeah. Love yeah. a travel montage. I
1: don't know if you've ever watched on YouTube. There's a channel that does these things called Honest Trailers. And yes, the one on Lord of the Rings is pretty funny because they are like, <laughs> watch Hobbit's ride, you know uh horses humans other hobbits (laughs) yeah yeah. but it's just pretty funny like to like just showing you all these establishing shots that they like you know compile in the trailer and you're like oh yeah they do do a lot of these big sprawling shots just showing them walking it's like yes we get it it's a far journey (laughs) yep all right so here's our our second to last question is uh do you have any tips for gamers to be more inclusive in their groups of D&D or Magic or whatever games they are playing
2: Yeah um one of the analogies I think I might have used recently was don't just tell people they can come to the game or they can come to an event or whatever like directly invite them because I think there's a lot of people that say oh we're totally open to anybody playing or you know, we're a totally inclusive group or store or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's like, no, tell that person specifically like, Hey, we play at this time. It'd be cool if you showed up yeah. because there's a difference between being told, like, it's kind of okay for you to be there versus no, this person really will appreciate me being there. Right. And it's a small thing that I don't think people understand. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think it not even just applies to race. I think it just applies to humans in general, but I think when you want to show you're more inclusive like make the direct action to say i particularly want you there like this is when i'm going to be there i'd like to play a game with you yeah or i'm saving you a seat or whatever it is i think that goes a long way other than just like okay because honestly right now there's a lot of i don't know just a lot of rhetoric out there of just like oh we're trying to be more inclusive or we're trying to be more open it's like mm-hmm. okay well everybody's saying that but how many of you mean it yeah. You know, what are
0: your actionable?
2: Exactly. You know, the person that's saying specifically, I want you as part of my community. I want you to sit down at the table with me. Mm-hmm. Like that's the person that's going to, their, their words are going to carry more weight.
0: Right. So I was actually part of an all-female um, gaming group at our local games. My store. wife
2: runs an all-female group right now, actually.
0: Nice. <laughs> um, back when I lived in Minnesota and we actually would like, we would say like, Hey, we're, These are the games that we have set up. Um, You can come by at this time. And I know that some people would say that they would try to come, but, you know, they had a lot of anxiety about coming and they wouldn't know how to approach a group. So I do think, Mm. like, what you're saying is very important for people to see, hey, I would like you to come play with me right now.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other thing I would say, too, is think about what type of characters or stories or whatever your games have always had and try to do something new or different or explore something else. Or if you, you know, maybe you have a player who's part of the LGBT community, or you, like you say, have more women playing in your games or whatever, Mm -hmm. and just have talks to understand, like, what's interesting to them? You know, what do they find difficult? What struggles have they had? Like, what things do they follow just in general society or online or whatever? And see if you can work some of those elements in. You know, one of the things I like to do when I run games is I'm a, I'm a little bit weird. I actually don't worry about people's alignment. I generally let people just play that as it is. Mm-hmm. And then we just treat the game as such. But with that, I also like them to give me at least two paragraphs about the backstory of their character. So I get an actual insight into what the player wants or is trying to do with that type of character. Mm-hmm. Like, what do they see as important and what's going on? And then over the next couple of months, I try to work some of those elements into the story so that each person at least gets to be showcased for two or three sessions of the game. Yeah, You know, that they know, Okay, oh, hey, this is a person from my past or this is how me and this other character connect. Or, man, this is going to be the moment where I have to decide, like, do my morals change here or not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that allows you to at the very least, take their insight and put it into your game, and that helps a lot.
1: Yeah, and I think that, so we haven't talked about this yet on the show, but I think if you have a session zero where you kind of establish what is everyone going to be playing, and like, how do you want the game to go, and these are whatever my homebrew rules, and then, um, I think it's also sometimes good to say, like, all right, you know, Quinn and Alex, your characters know each other, and Daquan and when your characters also know each other and then Alex and Brian your characters know each other you know so that way there, there's like you know more of a connection between the group and you're not just five random people showing up for this flyer but you can also do that if you want I think it just gives the group a little more cohesion if you establish some of these like oh well we met because you know we were both buying potions at the potion shop but it could be that small but you know you just have that familiarity with the character already.
2: Yeah, another thing I would say too, especially if you are doing that pre-meeting type session, also establish the tone for your game. Yeah. You know, so you know that everybody's comfortable with what's going to happen. Right. You know, I've I've played a game or run a game where it was going to get progressively more dark. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about like villains doing real villain things. Yeah. You know, and we had that talk of like, is everybody okay if you, you know, see some violent things or we talk about certain things just so nobody's getting uncomfortable, you know, because, because you don't know, somebody may have some trauma, you know, that you don't know about. And they're like, Whoa, I don't know. Like that level makes me a little uncomfortable or, "Eh, I'd rather not talk about that because I have this going on right Mm -hmm. now or whatever. And that goes a lot to make your games a lot more comfortable for your players as well. Yeah.
1: Our current DM recently, I think we're, we were going to face some sort of monster that was probably going to do some psychic things like you know Phantasmal Force type spell where they kind of show you your fears and they ask the players like hey out of character do you have any things you don't want to see that will like scare you or freak you out or that like are definitely no-nos like you know and one person was like I really don't like needles you know and then so we didn't have anything like that going on where and I really appreciated that the DM took that into consideration, you know, through in our gameplay experience so that we didn't show up and be like, Oh, I'm not okay with this, you know, at some point.
2: Oh, for sure. Because the problem you'll run into, whether it comes from your DM or other players, is the players that are bothered are oftentimes not going to say anything. Right. You know, they don't want to look bad to their group you know they don't want to look like they're just the the buzz kill or whatever if everybody else is having a good time so you just won't ever know about it and then two or three sessions later they may just stop wanting to show up yeah
0: yeah definitely
1: that actually that kind of happened to me in a game where one of the characters was he was really trying to i would say get with npcs and a lot of us were like i mean this is kind of weird man like why are you why are you trying to hook up with all these random npcs and i think the dm was even a little uncomfortable and then finally we sat down with the guy and was like all right look you know we need you need to pull back on this a little bit it's fine if you want to try to do that but you know we don't need to actually
0: role play it right now
1: yeah you don't need to be hitting on our our dm friend you know in real life you can just be like yeah I, i'm trying to i want to persuade her to you know spend the night with me and then you can roll a persuasion check and that can be it you know you don't have to actually be like i'm gonna use this pickup line now
2: <laughs> yeah and you know what's funny i think a lot of people i think that comes from people not even understanding the type of character they want to play right you know because all right you want to be a womanizer or whatever right okay fine Okay, what are you doing to impress this one, right? You're trying to make yourself look better than everybody else. So maybe you're like Mm -hmm. sabotaging some other character you're next to or whatever. So you look better. Maybe you're creating some type of problems. You can go look like you're rescuing the damsel in distress and look good. right, that's what you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Not just like out there hitting on literally every person that walks with female parts, right? Like that doesn't do anything. And honestly, the other place that shows up a lot, is when people try to play evil characters. Yeah. I don't think people understand how to do that well, because a lot of people are like, okay, cool. We're just going to kill all the babies, and we're going to burn the village. And it's like, that's not what villains do. You know what villains do? They have a plan. And when you start suspecting them of that plan, they're like, you know what? I'm going to start making you look bad so the rest of the group trusts me and not you. right? Yeah. So I can get closer to what I want to get to. Right? They really have those machinations going on under the surface mm-hmm. to eventually get to their goal. Like, Every good villain in a story, you don't like them because they're just going out and doing crazy things. Even Lex Luthor, and you know some of these other characters started businesses so they could actually get deals and do what they want in the city yeah. or whatever. Right? They're not just out there slaughtering all the citizens. Yeah, that's not how it works.
1: I also I think it's funny that you know you describe this these ways to make a womanizer like a like a good. Role-playing aspects to do it, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like you know, interesting." Not saying I want to play a womanizer, but you made it sound interesting to me. Where I'm like, "Oh, you know, if you look about it, think about it in this other way, then you can actually make this character more fun to play as a person, as well as like you know, make it more interesting to the group. Where they might not notice that you're sabotaging them to make yourself look better.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Like an easy way to think about it is. You see those dudes on the street that want to just like catcall a woman, and that never has worked in the history of <laughs> mankind, but they do it anyway, right? Yeah, nope,
0: it's never worked for me.
2: <laughs> exactly, right? So, those people, you always just turn your nose up at. You're like, dude, really? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but then you have characters like, I don't know, like Gaston, right? That you're like, God, I can't stand this guy. But he's like, okay, well, let me go talk to her father. So, like, you know, yeah. he'll set it up so we can get married. Okay, well, let me go kill this other dude. That she's into to show how much of a man i am yeah, or whatever yeah. right like that that is at least a character you you hate but you're at least interested in what they're doing mm-hmm. like that's the big difference
1: and it sounds more interesting to play than just i'm i want to hit on this random girl it's like all right well you can do that that's fine but it's not very interesting that's exactly it. whereas you know i want to find her dad and convince him to let me marry her that's much more interesting
2: yeah and i always tell people like not even think about what's the most drastic or what's the most outlandish or the funniest but like think about what is the most interesting thing my character could do with this action i want to do Mm -hmm. and that's usually going to be way better than what you were thinking about doing the first time
0: that's true
1: all right i think we have one last question and then well you know we can if you want to tell us more stories that's fine
2: (laughs) i have way too many but yeah we can do this all day
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so back to diversity A great way for someone to see how someone else would react in a situation is by playing more diverse characters. Do you think white characters should try to play people of color to get that experience, or should they just try to play with more people of color?
2: Honestly, I think more often than not, you're probably going to be better just playing with more people of color Mm -hmm. and just being able to learn from them and just their perspectives. You know, Because I think... I think that applies to almost any group you're not a part of. You know, when you and I'm sure we've all seen this at the table where you have a guy try to play a woman, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of weird. You know, yeah. And oftentimes, oddly, it's the person who doesn't even live with a woman or anything who understands. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, for real. For I mean, even as a guy who lives with women, like I still ask questions, and I don't know what my wife deals with on every day, all the time, right? So we're st- still getting educated. I mean, I know that you know, when I was single, toilet paper would last for a year, but you know, you live with a woman, it lasts like a month and a half. So like, I don't know. Oh,
1: you're pitching in the
2: fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but beyond that, you know, like I, you, you don't know everything like, like you're talking about being cat called or whatever, right? That's never going to happen to us, mm-hmm. you know, but I've talked to women and we covered this on our show as well, where, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, I've been being cat called since I was like, Eleven, You know, and I'm like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in my head, I'm like, I would have never even thought that was a thing. But a guy is not going to know that. Right. Right. The same thing if you're white and trying to play a black or an Asian or whatever character, there's just things you've not dealt with. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't even think that they were like, it's not even that I don't think it would. I don't think it would be like no ill will or anything terrible from it i just don't know if it would be realistic yeah like a complete exploration right you know because you wouldn't it's kind of like when people say well i want to know more about this topic and unfortunately sometimes the response is just like oh well just go google Mm -hmm. but the problem is they wouldn't even know what is a good or bad source to google yeah you know what i mean like if something comes up they don't know what to trust they don't know what's accurate
0: right go to the source
2: yeah in this scenario you would just i guess be role playing mostly what you've just seen or read on tv or something right like you don't mm-hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't know where to even start right
1: yeah i think one good thing people could try in place of this to maybe get that sort of experience is the tiefling race because they are often like you know kind of looked at sideways when they're walking down the streets and you know people might be snatching their handbags a little closer when tieflings walk by and it's like that. Definitely. It's probably a closer, you know, approximation of what some black people experience than, you know, playing a human that is black that you might get. So that might be one option. Yeah,
2: I would even say, talk with your DM and just say, okay, I kind of want to explore doing something different that I don't normally get to do. You know, go ahead and play up a character where, like, I don't get what I want or maybe I am mistreated for some I don't know I because I have a bad leg or walk around with a cane mm-hmm. or whatever it is right and play that up to like push that part of the character like that's probably safer right because I think a lot of people do go to what they know or what's very common or easy and just say okay I'm going to have this major flaw with my character and feel free to push the limit mm-hmm. and just see what we could do with it
0: right like let's make an interesting story together
2: exactly yeah
1: and it's like you know If I say I want to play a black character, that does not make me, you know, an ally to black people. It's just kind of makes me, maybe, it it depends on how it goes. It could make me an ally to black people, but if I'm walking around eating fried chicken and watermelon... More often than not, it's probably
0: appropriating their culture instead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, but I think, you know, if you try some of these other tactics this is a better way to get that experience or approximation of that experience obviously it's a lot safer because we're playing D, not walking around in real life where we might get shot unfortunately
2: yeah and i do think that in most of those cases the like i said the players would have good intentions mm-hmm. i just don't know if they would really learn anything from it you know you're going to learn more from having actual people of different backgrounds ethnicities religions whatever is part of your game so you can just learn from their lived experiences more often yeah. than not you know because something may come up in a game and they react to it a different way than you do or they have even a different way of just approaching a situation and you're like oh i never even thought about that right you know and then that's you'll usually get a story where it's like oh well, yeah i had this one time in real life where this sort of thing happened or whatever and they're like oh okay well that makes sense
0: mm-hmm
1: I think this is probably also very true for if you wanted to play a character with a disability where it's like, well, you know, you can try and you might get, you know, a trope version of it where it doesn't go over very well. But if you play with people with disabilities, you might be able to get a better idea of what that's actually like to go through that, you know?
2: Oh, for sure. There'll probably be times where you, if you weren't really thinking about it your DM says, okay, we're well, going into this castle, this thing's here and here. And when you're at a table with somebody with an actual, say, you know, below the knee amputee or something, mm-hmm. they're probably looking and going, like, hey, guys, I think I'm going to stand down here and stand guard because if we get in trouble, I'm not going to be able to get out fast enough yeah. or whatever. You know, and you're like, oh crap, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Or as a visually impaired person myself, it's like, you know, uh you don't think about the fact that sometimes you're walking down the street and someone will try to help you get where you're going and they don't know where you're going and that's a fun experience where they are like here let me guide you and i'm like i know where i'm going do you know where i'm going
0: i've walked yeah, exactly. this way every day for the past year That
1: ha- yeah this happened to me on my undergrad campus with like my senior year or something so i was like i know this campus very well sir i've I thought about being a tour guide because I thought it'd be hilarious if people had a blind tour guide. But,
2: <laughs> um, that would actually be pretty cool, honestly. Yeah,
1: I never ended up doing I end up working in the math resource center instead because I'm a math nerd, so.
2: <laughs> Fair. But no, I think that's a good point, right? Because I'm sure being visually impaired, there may be times that like things being too bright or being too dark mm-hmm. or being whatever like do matter, right? But that's not something I would write off my the top of my head Particularly think about yeah. necessarily,
1: but yeah, I think we're probably we're probably gonna try to do an episode on you know disabilities and how to play them, and you know obviously the best way, like you just said, is probably play with someone with a disability and learn from their experiences. But at the same time, probably a lot. Of, I'm not sure if a lot of people with disabilities are like me in where. I'm like, I'm blind every day. I don't want to be blind when I'm in my D&D game, you know? I want my character to be
2: (laughs) able to see. Oh, sure. But what I would say, though, is I would say, like, just those people being part of your games, Mm -hmm. you are probably going to learn something. Yeah, just... You know, because I'd almost guarantee there is something you deal with on a daily basis that I don't, Mm -hmm. that who knows what it is. Maybe it's the way you see things versus the way I see things, or somebody being colorblind sees things. Can be a benefit, or you've learned a workaround for something that once my vision becomes bad, you're like, oh no, there's this trick you can do, or right. whatever. And I'd just be like, what? <laughs> That's a thing? You know, like, awesome. Now we know, right? So then now we outsmart the scenario because we had somebody else with different actual experiences that could point that stuff out. Right.
0: Or also, just as a DM and a player playing with someone who's visually impaired, you learn how to describe the situation instead of just relying on yeah. your minis and your mat
1: yeah our dm when when we were playing in person he was like oh man i like i'm you're really helping me work on my descriptions here because i can't just like point at this map what the minis and say there's the scenario i have to say you know okay you're 30 feet over here and there's the goblins are right here you know and got to be way more descriptive so i think it's actually helped our DM a lot and probably the other characters as well or the other players
2: well see there you go exactly particularly because you were in the game you know they learned other skills yeah so it's very cool
1: all right well daquan it's been great to have you i appreciate you coming on the show
0: Yes, thank you so much.
2: Oh, anytime. Like I said, I I enjoy talking. I'm still amazed that you know, going from that first grade kid that always got like his name on the board and had to stay after school for talking, now people will pay me to do it. So, (laughs) you know, I think life's amazing right now.
1: So yeah, if you guys want to hear Jaquan talk more, he is streaming on Twitch. I think
2: is it. Uh, I can give you the whole rundown actually. So yeah, yeah, perfect. That's great. Go for it. Yeah, I do stream on Twitch Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, 9 p.m. to midnight. Uh, Pacific time, and I usually do at least one afternoon stream that's kind of unscheduled throughout the week. Uh, I do have a podcast called Color of Magic, where though we do kind of focus more on Magic the Gathering, we do actually talk about a lot of game industry stuff and cover a lot of the aspects that people don't generally talk about or give what I call ear time to uh, people that wouldn't necessarily get the exposure otherwise. So, you know, we've had uh, LGBT people on, we've had people of color on, we've had women. You know, we even talk about subculture stuff because we had some cosplayers on. So just a little bit of everything for people who don't normally get seen in the game community. You know, we talk about a lot of that. And then I have a YouTube channel that uh, started out being kind of magic heavy. Now I'm getting into more uh, doing some interviews with some game stores talking about mental health and gaming i'm trying to do that like once a month awesome so uh and i put up videos every day on youtube so you can find me under power dragon it's p-o-w-r-d-r-a-g-n
1: yeah and i actually i'm i'm a listener of color of magic which is where i found out about you and it's funny because i i've only played commander so i don't even really when you guys talk about arena and like the standard stuff and the tournaments, I'm like, I just zone out. But then I really focus in when you guys start talking about the other stuff that you mentioned, which is kind of funny. You wouldn't expect that that's why someone's listening to this magic podcast. But I think it's really helped me learn a lot just hearing you guys talk about these other things.
2: Well, yeah, it's been interesting because we get a lot of feedback where people have said like, I don't even know if I'm your target demographic. Mm -hmm. And I tell them like, are you a gamer that cares? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you're part of the target demographic. Right. <laughs> right? Because I think people say like, well, you know, I'm just average white dude that plays games. I don't know if you're really talking to me, but I feel like I've learned a lot listening to you. Like, that's well, great.
0: I am talking to you because I want you to hear about these things. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And some of it is even just for, if you are a gamer of color, like, okay, you see that other people are talking about your issues or we talk about other ways to approach conversations or why a thing is or isn't a certain way. And we've covered all types of topics, you know. Even when we started, you know, my co-host Brian and I, we we really had the talk of, you know, we're probably going to catch hell for this. Like some people are going to hate that we're doing it, but let's do it anyway because it's it's topics, they're topics that people don't talk about enough, you know, and from all sides of gaming. The other part of it is we didn't want to do a podcast that just everybody was already doing, right? There's already good ones. Like you're saying, there's good, several good ones for Commander. There's several good ones for Finance for just about everything. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, let's do something different. And so far it seems to be working. So we're pretty happy with it.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's, uh, I think it's a very good show. And if you are listening to this show, then you're probably playing D&D. And if you don't know anything about Magic, you can still check out Color Magic and I think get a lot out of it. And if you like magic as well, then it's also a good place to hear about magic and these other issues and talk about, I know you guys have conversations like our latter half of the show sometimes where you get into more serious stuff. I know you guys have more goofy episodes as well. So, but it's all, I think it's all good.
2: Yeah. We've, we've kind of started a segment, I think about five up, I guess by the time this comes out, it will probably be like 12 episodes ago, but uh, where we started doing a thing I call the soapbox. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of, Find a topic of the week that's just something that annoys gamers or people in the gaming community or just bad gamer habits Mm -hmm. and just rant on that for like five minutes, Yeah, (laughs) which that has become something people have started to enjoy, which I find amusing because we just threw it out there as an idea and then it kind of stuck. So we do that now. Uh, We have a segment we call the dinner table talk that we kind of close every show with Uh, just kind of having a real conversation about a serious topic and saying, okay, treating it as though we're all sitting around at a dinner table just like okay let's have a real talk about a thing mm-hmm. and then the rest of the show in the middle is like you know what did we learn last week what some things were interesting some news or press releases from different companies mm-hmm. that have come out you know i think at the time of this recording we had just talked about the the list of games women play or something that had come out oh, yeah which was absolutely dumb <laughs> but like well i mean the list had stuff like candy crush and solitaire and saduko i'm like really like this is what we're going to talk about right so it's
0: really hard-hitting journalism
2: yeah exactly <laughs> but it's that type of stuff though that we you know that some of them are hot topics some of them are just topics people don't know about you know and we just try to cover the whole gamut
1: all right well yeah thanks again for coming
2: well it's good to be here i'm glad you guys invited me and i would gladly do it again
0: sounds, sounds great good. thank you you can find more information about our show at a couple of characters have ideas or feedback or need help creating your next character? Email us at a acoupleofcharacterspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ACOCpodcast. We'd like to thank John Began for composing our theme music. And if you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on iTunes.
1: Yeah, we got a couple of shout-outs here today. We have Nikki who gave us a five-star review. And we also have Lucas who gave us a five-star review in the Canada iTunes. So if you're listening again, you could probably read that. If you're listening here, you might not see it, but I swear it exists.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and a huge thanks to um, the Ballad of the Seven Dice podcast for featuring us on their feed. Um, We really appreciate that. It means a lot for smaller, newer creators to be featured by people who have been creating for longer.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: And another way you can support us is by becoming a Patreon donor by searching ACOC Podcast.
1: You can find me on Twitter at alexinwinterland
0: and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Not a Dr. Quinn. Thanks for listening.
1: Keep on rolling.
0: can't go to the store i forgot my mask at home